0: It's now four
1: Champions League defeats in a row for Manchester City and that's the first time it's ever happened to an English team in the competition. Whatever you think about Pep Guardiola's side this season, at least they're still breaking records. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we have the good, a 3-0 win over Fulham, the bad, a 2-1 loss to Lyon and the ugly. Sam Lee joins us in the studio. On today's show, we'll also be hearing the second part of our exclusive interview with former City defender David Brightwell and finding out why he swapped football for the fire service. We'll be looking ahead to the Premier League tie at Cardiff and the League Cup trip to Oxford United. And Howard Hocking gives us his unique take of the week. He's talking about respect. I'm your host, Sam Roscoe. On the panel, we have City fan Paul Atherton and, as already mentioned, Goal.com's Sam Lee. Fellas, how are
2: you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. To be fair, Mooney did warn me last night that that joke was. You got going to press in. press brief. Yeah, I wish he hadn't. To be fair, because I'd like to see my reaction if when you read that. I can't out. believe he briefed you. I know. Um, I, I gave him the okay, but I did demand that my fee was doubled for tonight.
1: And uh, speaking of the the other good, we have Paul Atherton. You all right, mate? Good evening, Sam. You okay? Yeah. Nice to see you again. You're always on the podcast talking about a poor result.
3: I know it's just negative vibes.
1: Yeah. Mr. Negative in the corner over there. Um we are starting uh, with a look back at those two games. Let's start with Leon, let's get it out of the way, shall we? Why were City so flat against the French side?
2: Uh, where do we start? About this so much today. Um, <laughs> um me and Paul slash others were talking about this beforehand. Um we could tell you everything that went wrong you know like the the sloppy passing the the lack of intensity um i did our three before and i've gone blank to having spoken about it so much but we don't actually know why um i don't know were they complacent i don't think so because guardiola spent so so much time this season saying look if we if we are complacent if we drop our levels then you know we won't have a season like we did last year so surely they weren't complacent was it the fact that guardiola wasn't on the bench I mean, he is really good, but I mean, surely the players don't need him down there, going off his nut and mm. crouching down and waving his arms around for them to pass <laughs> the ball a bit quicker. And you know, Arteta wants exactly the same stuff as well, and he was doing similar things. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the problem was. Um, again, we came up with it just before. Maybe it was the fact that no Mendy, no De Bruyne, no Aguero, any anybody else particularly. Oh, no Sane. There's no real cut and thrust in the team there. You know, not so much. Pure pace, but somebody who can carry the ball at least, you know, 20 metres. De Bruyne can do that. Obviously, Mendy can. Sane can. And Aguero now, you know, he's all action. He, he, yeah. he takes the game to him a bit more. He can drop deep and get it. There was none of that. Maybe the absence of all of them meant it was a bit prosaic. And obviously with the fact that Bernardo Silva was on the right rather than in the middle where he's been really good, that probably didn't help either. Maybe it was that. It's probably the best thing I can think of.
3: I think so. There's just absolutely no direct plays on the pitch. You know, you've got Silva who prefers to pass it. The other Silva prefers to pass it. Sterling likes to, you know, cut it back three or four times before he hits it. You, you know, you didn't have Sunny there or you didn't have Mendy hitting a first-time crossing that absolutely caused chaos. Jesus is quite direct, but, I mean, he was absolutely pocketed. I don't know what the, what Leon actually did, but they seem to have really denied a service to him. They defended him really well. So I think a lot of the credit goes down to Leon because he sat in They he mm-hmm. counter attack better than most of the kind of, you know, same sort of park in the bus we see every week where there's no tactical actual plan to it, whereas they actually knew what they are doing, they took their they, opportunities.
1: They targeted, didn't they, Cities, areas that will cause them trouble, and one of those was, they did a bit of a job on Fernandinho, didn't they?
3: They did, but they pressured him, but it wasn't as if it was like, you know, a big pace, the way they were pressing the ball, I think it was just, there's a lot of off days, and Fernandinho just kind of gave the ball away a lot, I mean, Delph gave the ball away a lot, most of the team gave the ball away a lot, I think everyone just chose the same day to have their have their off day, I don't think it's because Arteta was... Um, on the bench because yeah, I think they would. There's
2: surely no big reason for it. It can't be like it. that.
3: They're not school kids. I think I think they would have wanted to win for Arteta. If anything, you know, if he's well liked in in the mm. club, so I, I just think you know it's, it's mix of tactical, you know, well played by Leon, but also no direct pace or, or real wit for City. Um, that was the main the main yeah. problem.
1: I mentioned in the introduction that City are breaking records again, four Champions League defeats in a row. Is that a bit of an issue?
2: It's, well, it's a bit of a weird one, and I don't know, part of me thinks absolutely not, because obviously the, the first one was the Basel game, and it was a dead rubber, it was 4-0 up. And I'd forgotten about that, to be honest, and I saw it again in the documentary a few weeks ago. And there was a few boos, and Guardiola said, no, oh, they booed tonight, and they, you know you deserved it, kind of thing. But at the, at the time, you think, well, if you 4-0 up, you change the team around a bit, then what what you expect doesn't really matter. And then the Liverpool games, we all know, you know, there was poor selection maybe at Anfield, mm. there was obviously the of goal, there were mistakes, there was also bad decisions by the refs, and everyone's kind of accepted that. But then when you when you put the Basel thing in it as well, and you think if they're not 100% up for it, which kind of ties into last night as well, then, or you know, you'd take a couple of players out to rest them or if they're not available or whatever, maybe there is a bit more to it. But I, I'm not sure. With this... I, I, I'd still look at that in isolation. The Liverpool games, there were definitely problems there. The Basel game, the only problem is what you were four 0 up. You mm. played like a second string. The intensity wasn't there. And last night, I'm, it was just it was just one of those. It was just a bad night. And obviously, as we said, Leon played really well, and Dombele in particular in midfield, Fekir as well. But not just that, they they had not so much the look, but they took their chances. Which you know, if if they'd have hit the post on, on the first one or whatever, it wouldn't you know which is which is not unusual against City. You know, a team will have a chance, but often there'll be a block or they'll yep. just miss or whatever. Leon happened to take both chances, which doesn't always happen, and that certainly contributed as well.
1: Was it odd that City couldn't kick on from that Fulham game because they looked so good, didn't they, against Fulham? They did, yeah, but it's um, it was a slightly different line wasn't it? Like we said before,
3: it wasn't it wasn't as direct. We didn't have Sané playing. We kind of had four or five centre-mids playing, really, which I know Guardioli loves, but... You know, Gundogan was a, was a spare part for most of the game. I mean, you know, felt sorry for him because he, he's passing it sidewards and then Fernandinho's trying to pass it sidewards but actually passing it to the opposition. Um, yeah, I think it was just one of those games. You know, Fulham, a bit more of a standard Premier League team. We knew how to play against them. We were kind of boss possession, whereas this, I just think we got, I think tactically we got it wrong. I think we needed the width. Um, Delph wasn't providing what Mendy has done in the last in the last few games. And I think if you don't play one of them, you have to have Sane ahead of him. If you don't play many, mm. I think you've got to have Sane on the pitch.
1: Will that loss against Leon be a bit of a rocket for him? Because there's been a, a few too many flat moments already this season, hasn't there? I,
2: I don't know about flat moments. I know a lot of City fans after the Leon game were saying, "Oh, that's been coming." I don't. I don't necessarily know if it has. The Newcastle game didn't flow that well, but I kind of put that down to the fact that. He tried something completely new. Obviously against Huddersfield that was new as well. He tried all the central players and Mendy just causing chaos on the left. But then against Newcastle it was there was no one in the middle, which is really unusual for a Guardiola team. It was completely different. And it was essentially four forwards. It was Jesus and Aguero up front and Mares and Sterling, I think. And that was kind of like what he did at Bayern. So that, I'll just put it down to that, you know, that was completely new. There was nobody in the middle. They didn't really use the middle too much. Um and then the other games, the Wolves game wasn't wasn't great, but again, I don't think that was complacency. And you know, the Wolves' goal was a handball, etc. etc. I still think City they weren't great, but they did enough to win it. Um, so I'm not sure, but I think it definitely will be a rocket because after the Fulham game, Guardiola said, I'm angry, you know, there, there were extra touches, extra passes, and that's what I don't want, and that's what I'm telling them. You tie all that into the complacency thing, and he said, I'll tell them that on Sunday, we'll have a meeting. And maybe if the players were thinking, oh, he keeps going on about complacency, but we're beating Fulham fully um. nil. We've still got all yeah, these yeah. great results. I don't know what he's on about. Now Guardiola can say, look, this is what I'm talking about. And if you do that again, and if you keep doing that, we're not going to win anything this year. So it, it is a rocket. But the good thing is, there's five games left to turn it around. And the good thing is, you'd probably rather drop points in that Champions League group than you won the Premier League. There's obviously a long way to go in the Premier League. But you don't want to be... How many points would it be if, Liverpool, if City were to lose their next game? How many points would there be beyond Liverpool? Five can't be asked for that this early in the season, Mm. Um, especially with the way Liverpool are going on.
3: I think Sam's right. I think think we needed to lose that game, in in effect, because although we've been performing well this season, it's not obviously hitting the heights of last season, which is obviously hard to to sort of match up with. But at the same time, it's just not felt, you know, the momentum's not quite there yet. Mm. And I think we needed that bit of a kick, especially because it was, you know, more or less the first team bar Mendy and Aguero, maybe, and De Bruyne. So I think it's good that they've had that kind of setback and the kind of kick to, to, for them to... they have to turn it
1: around now and not be as complacent, perhaps. Leroy Sané had a rough time. How was a goal in, in two minutes for a response against Fulham?
2: Well, it goes to show that, obviously, normally we'd be expecting him running down the left and um, putting the ball in. But it goes to show that even when he's not doing that, he still knows to be in the areas. And we've seen with Sterling how important that is. You know, Sterling's goal haul was boosted so much last season by knowing exactly where he needed to be at exactly the right time and he'd get the tap in obviously as he did in the second half against Fulham so it shows that, Stur- um, that Sane he's you know it's not all gone to pot which people might have wondered about a couple of weeks ago when he got dropped and left out of the squad it's still there it's just you know just a bit of the application we saw towards the end of the game when he didn't he didn't really follow back and Cyrus Christie got in a couple of times which Guardiola wasn't happy about and I'm sure he'd have reminded him about that and maybe that's why he didn't start um, against Leon as well um, but yeah the goal was Perfect, really. You know, two minutes in, right place, right time. Didn't you know? Wasn't put off by the goalkeeper diving out for it or whatever. So, yeah, um, it wasn't. It wasn't one of his greatest performances, but there was enough in there to show that, you know, he's it's he's still a great player. You know, if anyone was worried about him going completely off the rails or whatever, that's not the case. And when he came on against Leon as well, he was even more made the like the normal side, yeah. wasn't he? he? And you'd would, expect him to play at the weekend, yeah. surely. He did make the difference,
3: didn't he? Well, it was that, and I think said before about the directness it was putting sterling on the right and then sani on the left i mean inverted wingers does does work quite a lot but when it's clear you clearly not creating chances for 60 70 minutes of the game yeah and walker and walker and Dalton weren't getting forward no, so there exactly. was no point there was, there was no pace or directness and thing, that that switched straight away it's the unpredictability that sani gives you when he you know sometimes he's on, on form sometimes he's not but he came on and he was obviously scaring them he was winning yeah. free kicks even when he, when he when he when he wasn't taking them on so yeah he made a difference and i think the flashes he showed in the last game and a half, you know, have been quite encouraging, really. Especially if he has been having a talking to, and you know, he's from visibly what I've seen, anyway, as a fan. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's responding the right way.
1: Bernardo Silva won the man of the match award against Fulham and gave a little bit of a cheeky grin as well uh, when it was announced. Do you agree with that award?
2: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, Guardiola was really, really fulsome in his praise of him afterwards. I. I put the videos on Twitter so people could see what he was saying. Although the interesting thing was, he Guardiola was asked, "Is you know, is him playing in midfield? Is that his best position?" And Guardiola said, he got or he got around to saying after he praised him and his individual quality, he said his natural position is on the right. But a lot of people are disagreeing with that, and especially after the the Leon game the other night, because the Leon game it was a lot like last season where it. it do a couple of tidy things out on the right. He'd cut inside, put in a great cross with his left with his left foot to the back post. And for me, that was the best thing he did last season, those crosses to the back post. Yeah. But there wasn't enough of it. And then you'd get towards the end of the game last season, and you think, I've not actually seen Bernardo do anything for about, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. And that was exactly what happened again last night in the first half. And then he goes back in the middle, and obviously with Sane on and a few other things changed, Aguero on as well. He looked better, and, and he got the goal as well. So, I mean, you've, you've, you've got to use him through the middle now, I think.
1: Everybody can see that, surely. I mean, it's obvious. He's, he, you know, it's no coincidence that his better performances, his goals, etc., have come when he's been playing in the middle. But Pep still persists with him out wide. He can do, but it's not like he's unproductive out wide. I mean, I
3: mean, sometimes when we need pace, it doesn't work. But like, he's that good of a player. All right Pep's opinions Pep's opinion is obviously worth more than mine <laughs> but um,
2: that's but the he, problem we're talking about City. exactly, <laughs> but I
3: mean if we say if we ignore Pep's opinion, he's still very <laughs> productive on the right, you know when he makes those crosses in, so don't, yes, he's brilliant in the middle, but this is the question we had with David Silver for years and years when he was playing on the right, he wasn't playing in the middle, and it was so obvious we were saying get him in the middle, he doesn't have pace, he needs to affect the game more, and they brought him in, so it's just a phase transition, and I think you know when he plays on the right for Pet to say that it doesn't mean he's fixed out there he'll probably be floating around and he's still got
2: the freedom to to move the thing i'd quite like to see is because when he's played on the right like against huddersfield i mentioned he played all the central players that was because bernardo Silva was effectively on the right but he came in a lot and that's where he's really useful as well because obviously then he's just in the role we all think is his best one centrally it'd be interesting to see when mendy's fit again if he could start on the left and cut inside, because he's still yeah. got, he can come in onto his right foot, but he can play in the middle and he can combine. And if Guardiola does want to play Gundogan to link the play up, and he's still mm-hmm. got Silva and he's still got Fernandinho, you'd have Bernardo in there as well, affecting the game in that way. And also, he can come in and onto his right and, and shoot. So that'd be interesting to see. And I, I wonder if that will happen. I hope he doesn't Probably play. Not.
1: I hope he doesn't play Gundogan. To be honest with you, I'm not his biggest fan. Pedestrian yeah. at best. Yeah, that, 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 that can be that and can And you be know what I problem. think it is? I think it's since, since the injury. He's not looked the player, has he, since he came back? Yeah, well, Gou-
2: again, while well, Guardiola talks about him, he, he's praised him in the past, he said he's got that smile for goals, but we've not seen that in ages. Mm. Um, and he seems to be, he's, he's like a conduit for the game, but when it's going well, you know, he, he kind of greases the wheels a bit more, but yeah, when yeah. it's not going at all, he doesn't get it going. Doesn't. Like De Bruyne obviously yeah. does, he can do it by himself. But Gundogan, yeah, he, he doesn't do anything decisive, really. Um, like the Spurs game at home last year he was good but like when was it, I think they pulled one back but City were ahead and then he kind of put the, the icing on top you know what I mean with a couple of nice assists but it's like you want to start fair enough bad example he scored the first goal in that game with a header but too often it's just kind of it just adding the extras really whereas mm. the, a night like last night against Leon, that's where you you really want him to, to do something special or just you know put in a bit of a more solid
4: performance
3: okay. I think a lot of it, he doesn't really have a role, does he? Other than to make those, you know, sidewards passes. I think he's that's always why, shadowed by Fernandinho? That's why him. they like him as well. Makes, the, makes all the interceptions, all the fouls, all the like, covers. Yeah. You know, De Bruyne is there to score, Silva's there to pass the ball. He's kind of... What does he, he do? Had a, a, a Dortmund, he had... He based, remember the Dortmund game against City where he's given more licence and he absolutely bossed the game against against us you know, not just like Cyrus passes, he was he was putting it down channels as well. And I think because he his job isn't to make those passes for City. So I think he's kind of lost and he doesn't know where to sit. Whereas yeah, know you know, the other season when he was making these runs and no one could no one could mark it from deep, it'd be good to see them come back. So I think as a squad player, you know, I'm 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 happy with him, but he he's got a lot more to give and it's just a shame he's not really reaching that height. I don't think mm-hmm. it is injury, I think it may be system or maybe yeah
2: again if the, if maybe like Mendy and Sane were playing last night and there was a bit more cut and thrust he'd have been carried along with it a bit more mm. and he'd have had maybe better options you know to pass to or that kind of thing but like I say without that if the team's a bit pedestrian then I think you know he's, he's not going to change he's not going to change it he's
3: not going really be combative either you know for a centimetre I can't remember how many tackles he's made really does not yeah. He doesn't. But that's why he, he doesn't. Like you said, in, he, he doesn't have field.
1: that. Doesn't have that defined role yet, does he? You like, see De Bruyne you know, come back a lot, and then
3: you yeah, yeah. win the ball, and then he'll start a counter attack. He doesn't. He, yeah. So he, a lot of that's his own characteristic, but I think the system is not really. It is fitting him, but it's not fitting him in the sense that getting the best out of him. But the re, Gundogan his best is still never going to be better than De Bruyne or you know Silver at the best
2: though. So yeah. you kind of got to take it. He's. As had, it is. I mean, he's had some really good games, and you know Napoli away last season, and he's filled in for David Silver. At times, really well like last season, and you know that's not easy. And he and then from new, around New Yearish, he he filled in for De Bruyne as well a few times, and again that's not easy. But yeah, it's I think why why Guardiola likes him so much is because he he plays those passes that keeps the team ticking over. But yeah, on nights like against Leon when they're not really ticking at all, that's going to be the issue because you won't get him going. he will will maintain a rhythm, but if there's no rhythm there in the first place, then he's, yeah. he's probably not your man. Gabriel Jesus
1: looking like he, he's struggling to fit in a little bit and, and have a, a defined role in the team, similar to, to Gundogan.
2: Yeah, I've, I was thinking about this as well. And when he first came in, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different threads to this, but when he first came in, obviously, it was like a completely new adventure. You know, everything was exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got this new life, going to the Premier League, playing for Pep Guardiola, this is going to be great. And I always did think at the time, I was like, I wonder, you know, when he, when he just lives here now, and he just has to live in Manchester and not Brazil, if he's going to be so excited about life all the time, and especially now his mates aren't here, because, you know, all the mates everyone was loving on social media, they didn't get their visas renewed, so they've not been here since Christmas. So that, you know, if he's having a bit of a a low point because he's a young player and that's going to happen, maybe the fact that he hasn't got the, the exciting life he had 18 months ago, maybe that's not going to help him pick it back up. But also, when he came in, Guardiola was going on about his pressing so much because Aguero wasn't doing it and you know Sane and Sterling they were still learning but now they all know it and when when Sane and Sterling don't score they've still got dribbles they've still got crosses and they can you know they don't score but they've got an assist that's fine um when Jesus doesn't score and now his pressing isn't standing out so much because Aguero's so good at it now it's kind of like what what is he doing and he doesn't, he doesn't really beat a man, does he? He is very much a penalty box player. And now the pressing, we've all kind of got used to it. I'm sure Guardiola still values it, but to us, it doesn't look like he's doing a lot. And when yeah, when you know, passes are bouncing off him or whatever, or he's just not scoring, it does make you think, well, he doesn't look the player he did when he came over 18 months ago. That's because he's young, but that's how it looks now. And when you've got Aguero, who is the man again, it, it's it's not it's not great for Jesus really and he looks better when aguero's there but i think that's more because he can he can hide a bit more there's a bit less responsibility aguero can help him through the game and take the main responsibility when those two have played up front together this season jesus has looked a, a bit better but that's that's inevitable because of his age and because aguero's so good
1: there were, were worries about um possible injury to aguero after that foot issue against fulham and obviously he didn't start against leon but Clearly had a, a big impact when he came on, didn't
3: he? He did do. He had a couple of chances. Um, he, looked, he looked lively, and it's good that he played, even if it was a limited part. Because in, in my time watching, since he's been here, i would never seen him sharper than lot, you know mm. at the start of the season. Just even the way he's moving, just he just looks like a lot sharper. So this surgery must have done him done him real good. So yeah, he, he did make a difference. Um, that explains why he didn't start then if he was carrying a foot injury. So yeah, I wanted to get a run of games and. and but it's, it's, as i'm saying we want to still i think if jesus gets a goal i think he'll just pick off again yeah I exactly think because he started to see he finished the season on a high with that goal i mean it's touch to yeah. class the yeah, touch yeah, coming yeah. over the top and then to yeah. finish it It just shows how good he is and the talent he's gotten he's only small but he's he's actual back to goal holding the ball looks great so i don't know if it, i don't know what's happened but i think you know a bit of form would benefit him. So I think as a young player needing that form, but the fact that him and Aguero are both in and out, you know, Aguero's used to it now. He doesn't like it, but he's, he knows that's the kind of 60 minutes you're off and you rotate. Whereas he's just, he just needs literally four or five games, maybe if, if someone's out for an injury, you know, getting goals in that period, I think he'll
1: become, you know, one of the starters again. After that game against Lyon in the Champions League, Mikel Arteta tried to work out why the performance was so flat.
5: We weren't consistent in the way we were trying to play. I think we lost many duels that at this level you pay the price for. And as well, when we were open up in the first phase in the build-up, we gave the ball away in very, very difficult circumstances. And uh, they took the advantage and... And they scored twice, but uh, after that I think the reaction of the lads and the team was superb. I think in the second half we took a few things to try to control better the, the counters and have an extra man in midfield. And I think uh, we created the chances and uh, we could have get back in the game, but at this level it's not good enough. That's, I think, four
2: consecutive defeats in, in the Champions League now, going back to last season. What does this team and this squad need to learn in order to remedy those mistakes and get back on the right track in, in Europe?
5: That you have zero margin in Champions League. I think when you make mistakes, you get punished. It's as simple as that. Whether it is uh, lack of attention, whether it is you don't win the duels, whether it is you lose simple balls or you're not effective enough in, in both ends, you pay the price. And today is another great example about it.
6: Pep made a point of warning the players
2: about the level of performance on after the match on Saturday. Were you? Did that come as a surprise?
5: That performance in the first half, how flatly were? It was, but uh, but they're not perfect. And sometimes they had better days, and sometimes they bad days. What I can criticize is the effort and the commitment that everybody puts on. After some days, they are silk, and some other days they are not that silk. You know. But uh, I won't judge the players just because we lost. I think we have to judge many other things during the game and uh, and they know that already. The atmosphere around the ground seemed quite flat as well before kick-off. There seemed to be a lot of empty seats in, in the stadium as well. Do you think that lack of atmosphere is, is something that can that contributes to, to City not doing as well in the Champions League? I wouldn't like to use that as an excuse because we had this type of crowd in Champions League before and and we were able to win the games you know but obviously if you ask me what's the ideal scenario is to have full stadium every time and people supporting the team and being behind the team like crazy but as well we know that in this competition sometimes during weeks it doesn't happen but uh, I don't think that's an excuse for the result tonight.
0: For a pledge of two dollars a month you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.
1: Manchester City assistant Mikel Arteta talking about that game against Leon. He finished by talking about the atmosphere. Now, is it down to the fans to get the team going or is it down to the team to get the fans going?
2: Mm, it's a tricky one this. I was gonna tweet about it last night and I thought I'd save myself the hassle and if not. But I did I did kind of think, you know, for if if fans were, were saying the the players didn't play with the right intensity or whatever. You kind of think, well, it wasn't a great turnout, and the fans who were there didn't make you know an extra effort yeah, yeah. to make a particular amount of noise or whatever. It wasn't like a Premier League game, um, and you just think, I mean, I don't know. I think it works both ways, surely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really want to put that on Twitter because you'd just be looking at your mentions for the next. I don't know week if it goes that badly, but yeah
4: it,
2: i've seen even even a few city fans now saying last night, um you know we need to knock all this UA, UEFA antipathy on the head, otherwise we're never going to win it kind of thing so I would kind of tend to agree with that um the, the Champions League League's the same for everyone you know i i am I'm, I'm not I don't buy into the fact that it's rigged you know if you know if a fine for racism against Balotelli is less than it was for City coming out late onto the pitch I don't think that's because it's City that's because it's UEFA and if the refs give dodgy decisions against City they give dodgy decisions against everyone you know look, to be fair La Hoss last year there was maybe a bit more credence with that because of his history with Guardiola but overall it's just it's just a different it's a different competition there's, there's different things to get used to and maybe that's it because you know it, City seem to have gone from the the Champions League being the big the be all and end all in terms of you know we are a big club we're, we're qualifying for this those games that were effectively playoffs yeah. against Spurs to now being like not really asked about it well, until the last stages the novelty's but, worn off ha- hasn't it yeah but having got there so quickly without and I'm not I'm not taking the mic whatsoever or being mm-hmm. disrespectful but without having won it or come close it's yeah it's it's gone to that stage straight away where it's like this can't be asked with it really and in the space of what seven or eight years it. Yeah. it, it 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 seems odd, um, but I don't see I don't see it being an attitude that's going to change. It's a very complex thing to one pick, you know. And the, the attendance last night, the atmosphere last night, the antipathy towards UEFA, the booing. I was asked to kind of explain it on the radio, and there's there's so many different things that, that go into it. Um, and I, I don't see it being something that will change. But I'm sure if it wasn't such a difficult position for Guardiola, he'd probably be a bit more explicit in saying. This should change because I'm sure he would rather City embraced it like a lot of other teams. But then that said, if you still saw Barca the other night, there was like hardly anyone at Barca either. So it's not just a City thing.
1: Yeah, I think Leon as well. They didn't really bring that. that yeah, six hundred.
2: Yeah, the top. The, you know, the two tiers above the lower one. They were completely empty.
1: Mm. So maybe it's not just a. a well, people thing have got less money City. at the moment. Generally.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. I mean, I, I completely appreciate that. I completely appreciate that.
3: I think it's just the opposition. I think if Barcelona yes, are in our yeah. group or Real Madrid, they'll turn up. Oh, yeah. The take same way take that, my 50 quid. In the same way, you know, playing Chelsea or Liverpool or United or Arsenal is going to be a sell-off, Spurs, where it's, it's just because, like you said, now it's become a bit of a formality. You know, there's there's so many free home games in the group, so if, if mm. none of them against big teams are not going to be that exciting, it's going well, to have to work and there's going to be loads of traffic, then, you know, people are just going to not be as motivated to go to it.
1: I can't wait for the, uh, the hashtag empty hat when... Uh Hoffenheim and, and Shakhtar Donetsk are the, are the visitors because, you know... if you...
3: That's a factor as well, that like complacency. Like we said, like, you know, we have lost that game. I don't have any doubt we're going to get out of the group still. I mean, we'll probably get quoted on that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Typical city, but... I mean, I think because, you know, you feel like we still should should qualify. is just why people aren't really too bothered about the game. If that makes sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of what I was saying at the start, like... I don't know. I think a lot of fans and you know myself looking forward to yeah. or previewing Arrogant the Champions League. You, pretend, you think yeah, yeah. this is this is going to be easy? There was a there, there was an air of complacency yeah. among everyone. Yeah. So it, it was a bit rich to kind of blame that Chris on the Santa players. Players, I yeah,
1: as well. Yeah. Um, should we be worried by the chances that, that City are missing? Even I mean, thinking about the Fulham game here. I mean, even when they were winning, they, they missed a number of chances. Is that a worry?
2: Um, well, I remember last season looking at... Was it last season? I think it was. There was a video of highlighting all De Bruyne's brilliant passes. But a lot of the time they they were brilliant, but they the chances were missed and they were like real clear-cut ones. And you think, oh, yeah, they, they could do with improving that. But at the end of the day, last year, City scored 106 goals or whatever it was. And when that was put to Guardiola on the weekend, that was the first thing he said. He was like, look, we scored under six goals last year and we... If, if, if you create a lot of chances, the chances are you, you are going to miss some of them as well. So, I mean, yeah, I suppose in an ideal world, you know, the Fulham game would have been 5-0 or 6-0, but I suppose if it is, as long as it's going to be like last season, then when there was a, still a lot of chances missed, then it won't be anything to worry about. I don't, I don't think I've seen anything too much this season to make me think, oh, that's going to be a problem because there's been so much tinkering with the formations. there have yeah. been so many things they've been getting used to. Um, I, I I I don't think it's a big issue at the moment. On the other
1: side of things as well, should we be worried, Paul, by how difficult creating chances was against Leon? Because you sort of you saw him build up, build up, build up, build up, and he gets that final final third, and there wasn't really much impetus, mm. was there?
3: I don't think so. I think it. I think it's just, like I said, one of them games. I think it was just the lack of width. When we swapped the uh, wings around, I think we created a lot more. I think hopefully when. Mendy comes back as well, we'll create more. Um, you know, De Bruyne is going to come back at some point as well. You know, Guerrero was carrying an injury in that game. No, I mean, if any team can create chances, it's us. I, don't think, I think we're probably one of the last teams in, in England that's
1: got an issue with creating chances. Finally then, looking back at the uh, the Fulham match, not often the, the combined age of the mascots is over 200. Nice touch from City.
2: Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, City do do a lot of nice things like that. Um, they do work really hard on you know fan engagement and and try, I don't know match day experience and all that kind of thing. And it doesn't always strike the right chord. And again, you know, City fans are a particular kind of bunch. There's a lot of traditional fans who you know, if it was up to them, there wouldn't there wouldn't be City Square. There wouldn't be the, the fans getting up, well, the players getting off the bus or whatever. But you know, you can't please everyone. Um, but it's one of those things that yeah, City City do quite well. Uh, Well, last week we
1: heard the first part of our interview with former City defender David Brightwell. He told David Mooney about coming through the ranks at Main Road and his debut in the first team against Wimbledon, a baptism of fire at Selhurst Park. This week, Mooney hears about how the defender came to move on from City and how he's had a change of career
6: since retiring. We were all amazed. I think we have been fifth and sixth or something like that. It was just a strange start to the season. I think he got sacked after the Blackburn game. We played Blackburn at Main Road. I'd come on a sub in the second half, I think, for the last half hour, 40 minutes, something like that. Someone got injured and in it. I remember the game because Alan Shearer was making his comeback, so he came on a sub as well. But I think we lost 2-0. There was something going on, but you couldn't put your finger on what it was. Peter Swales had bought in John Maddox. Nobody knew him, nobody knew of him. Nobody knew what he was there for or anything really. But supposedly he was the one that looked at the club and found out that Reedy was the problem. He was the one that sacked Reedy. Now, you know, I know the the fans at that point had had, had enough of Mr Swales and, and wanted a change. So whether Mr Swales thought that bringing someone else in to do, I suppose you'd say the dirty work, the fans would think that it wasn't him involved in any way. I don't, I don't know, but it was just very unsettling at that time. Um, so Reedy got sacked either the night of that game or the day after uh, I think we had the day off after the game and then we came in and no one really knew what was happening and then this rumour started going on that Brian Horton had got the job
1: How did the move away come out at City?
6: It wasn't really a choice of mine Alan Ball came in um, he had his own ideas and he pretty much made his mind up during pre-season about quite a few of us really I thought it wasn't handled right by by him at the time and I was a bit bitter towards it, I didn't want to go but I saw him Ian and myself did a, a thing in Hong Kong an ex-pros over 35s thing about, probably we did the first one 10 years ago and we did it for 5 years and one of the years he was the guest speaker uh, and Ian got on really well with him and and I was a bit standoffish because I think he knew that I didn't like what had gone on. And and we sat down and we had a beer and we chatted for a couple of hours and he he went through stuff with me. And I'm glad I did that before he sadly passed because I always thought it was his fault. But when I, after speaking to him, his hands were tied a little bit. Now, I wasn't by any means one of the big earners, so he wasn't necessarily saying he got rid of me for the money because of my wages because that certainly wasn't the case. But... I think there were a few that he, he felt that he had to get rid of and a lot of people left that had been good players for the club. It wasn't the way that I wanted to leave. Um, I went on loan at Stoke in probably the September, October time. Ended up going to... I knew Gary Megson from when he was at City and he was assistant to Chris Kamara at Bradford. So I went for a sort of trial game, a bit of training, uh, played in a reserve game for Bradford wasn't how I wanted to leave I didn't want to leave but that's football unfortunately and now these days um, you've you, you're kind of in a it's a completely different world as, uh, as part of the fire service <laughs> it is different in a lot of ways obviously um, but you know there's the same ethic it's team spirit the the banter you have um, is similar to a dressing room and I know a lot of people say that when they when they stop playing football that's what they miss and um, I was actually at Darlington uh, under George Reynolds, who was the notorious safe cracker who took over at Darlington and spent a few quid on him. Uh, Signed for Darlington, and was there 18 months, probably 31 at the time, and I'd just had enough really. Uh, I was living in Carlisle, because I'd played at Carlisle, uh, traveling over to Darlington every day, which is hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half. And then there was, from Darlington, there was away trips at Plymouth, Exeter, Talky, um chilling, you know, miles, trips that were miles away, eight, ten hour trips and, and I'd just had enough, I'd fallen out of love with the game a bit and I thought well I'm going to have to do something eventually. I didn't have anything to go to, I went and worked with a mate uh, who was a plumber, just did some labouring for him and and I, to be honest I enjoyed the freedom of it, you know, I could do what I wanted when I wanted I'd had 14 years by then, 13, 14 years, of pre-seasons, and then from, so from July, 3rd or 4th, whenever we'd start back till the second week in May, your time was depicted by what what the club wanted you to do, really, you know, I couldn't go away for a night, or, or you know, we'd train when we were told, and stuff like that, and it is a great life, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that at all, and people are say, oh, don't be so stupid, and, you know, it's the best job in the world, and it is a great mm-hmm. job, but it, it is a job, same as you do everything else. Um, if you do it every day, it's a job. Uh, you get paid great money for doing it. You know, even then we got paid, nothing like what to get paid now, but we got a very good living. But we'd go to an Oasis concert or something and Liam Gallagher would be there on the floor bowing at players. Oh, we'll swap with you any day and we'd be like, you're joking, aren't you? Rather do what you do. Oh, no, no. And I never looked back, really. I applied for the fire service. Uh, luckily enough, I got in first time so I've been doing that 15 years now. How does it I mean how how does it compare to the adrenaline rush of, of maybe running out at Main Road? Similar in some ways you know I, I used to get a little bit nervous quite nervous I'd sleep well before a game um, but then I would be a bit nervous on the morning of a game I normally wanted something to happen early that would you know settle me down a good pass or, or, or whatever uh, but there was nerves before and and now we get a job, and it'll come through on a printer and it'll say House Fire 25 Smith Road, Congleton, or whatever it is. And straight away, your mind starts thinking, What is it? You know, is it going to be something? Is it not? Is there anyone inside? So you get butterflies in your stomach, or, or nerves, I suppose, in some ways. What am I going to find? Is it going to be a proper job or not? All you do really is revert to what you're trained to do, same as football, really. You know, you you revert to what you know, and and you've been doing it that long and disciplined and and trained hard to get in that position. And it's the same as what we do now. You know what to do, and you you take it as you see it, just as you would a game, really.
0: Hear all of our city interviews on our website, BlueMoonPodcast.com.
1: The full 40 minute interview is now available for our patron backers. Uh, that is on our Patreon page. Check it out patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast for all the details on that one. Uh, moving on then, back to the Premier League at the Cardiff City Stadium. Three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. What lessons can City take from, from last season's FA Cup tie against them?
2: I don't know. Wear bigger shin pads. <laughs> uh <sighs> I don't know if City actually played with that. There was a lot of injuries at the time, wasn't there? And they played with that fluid front three, and Bernardo Silva was a false nine and cropping up on the left, and on the right, and City played really well and um, could have had a lot of goals. There was that ridiculous goal ruled out. Um, Cardiff, were, I don't know. I was gonna say Cardiff were a bit more up for it, but they were really up for it last year. It was, you know, it was an FA Cup and they were going well in the league. It's a free hit kind of thing. So, you know, Cardiff aren't very good. Um, they gave Arsenal a bit of a rough ride, but I mean, if you want to see Arsenal playing out from the back compared to City, it's,
1: yeah,
2: it's like a boy doing a man's job. Quite, it's like a fetus doing a man's job. You know, they were shocking. Like they were just, they just can't do it. So if City play, if if City do what they normally do, even if God, even if they play like they did last night, no. Nah, in fact, I'm not going to go that far. That'd be, we need a bit more, a bit more impetus in the team. You know, I don't think Mendy will play, but. Sane, Aguero, that kind of thing. I've cracked you up with that, haven't I? A fetus doing
1: (laughs) a man's job. There's a title. Uh, Yeah, stop there. (laughs) Title sorted. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. um,
2: You know, it's it's one of those grounds. It's one of those grounds you go, oh, it could be difficult, that. And fair enough, we've seen it already with Wolves, but Wolves are a better team.
3: Yeah, Wolves are going to be mid-table, if not you know eighth, something like that. And I think they'll be better next season as well.
1: Sam alluded to it before, but last time um, in that FA Cup tie, City were, you know, got a good kicking. Do you think that's, you know, do you think Walsh going to get them fired up like that again? you think they're going to give City a bit of a, a kick yeah, here now? Yeah, I mean,
3: they've got to play to their strengths, haven't they? I mean, one of the ways you can play in City is they're not going to out-attack us, are they? So, I think they've got to play, you know, rough us up a bit, especially because we've got kind of a lot smaller, diminutive players. I think that's going to be one of the tactics. Mm.
2: I wonder if Guardiola, I mean, I'm sure he will, he'll be asked about it in the press conference, and you can speaking, ask him,
1: there you go. Yeah, no,
3: well, I'll, was, do,
2: well, I'll do no. the I'll do for you, mate. Plenty of people will. Um, we were talking about this the other day and the expectation was that he, probably, he wouldn't probably go on about it because they get the feeling that he said all he, he can say about the refs. But if you get the feeling that Cardiff are going to kick you, then if you go in the press and to say you need to the yeah, yeah, players, yeah. then you put a bit of pressure on the refs straight away to stamp it out. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if Guardiola mentioned that again because it's, it's, it's a it's a good tactic for for a team like
1: City to, so, yeah, to put that, pressure it? on it. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, Cardiff are yet to win. Um, obviously, we saw earlier away at Cardiff in 2013 that the fans played a, a large part in that game. Set to be a, a cauldron atmosphere again, perhaps. Do you think it could be difficult with that sort of atmosphere? Well, that, that's what I mean.
2: And that's, that's what I mean by it. Fair enough, we had we had the Wolves thing. Um but again, Wolves are much better. And, you know, mm. they're not. Cardiff haven't got um, Portugal's number one goalkeeper in. They've got the Philippines' number one goalkeeper in. And to be fair, he's, he's decent. But, you know, he's not going to be pulling off saves like that from Sterling, surely. But going back to last season, the amount of games where you think, oh, West Brom away, that could be difficult. Leicester away, that would be difficult. And City would just go there and they'd just beat anyone. And it didn't matter. Um, I don't know if, if anything's changed from last season to this. I'm sure we'll soon find out. But, yeah, it will be. It's one of those atmospheres, it's not ideal to play, but they're not a very good team. City are a very good team, and they'll have had the rocket, the aforementioned rocket that we've talked about. I'm sure they'll be be ready to put things right.
1: Do you think it's fair to say that we're going to learn a lot about Manchester City this season with this Cardiff game? Mm. Going away, difficult atmosphere, uh, a side that they should be beating, a newly promoted side, having a, a disappointing result in the Champions League, the opener, like you say, a bit of a rocket... If they don't respond, you know, surely it's it's
3: worrying times. I think so. I think Pep is going to want a perfect performance. I mean, he does all the time, but I think he will literally he'll be furious if they win. I think if if, if they win and they played badly or they've not done what he wants, I think he'll be still furious because there'll, there'll be so many errors from this Fulham game that he was talking about, and then from the Leon game that he will to address. So I, th- I think, other than a derby, I think the players going to be more motivated than any other game, oddly, because I think they'll. This would be one where the pressure really would be on if they slipped up, you know.
2: And a lot of them will be playing for places because there is a lot of competition in the squad. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of them will know that. Especially
1: after the other night. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. We will get your predictions for that Premier League match against Cardiff shortly. First, though, we also have to preview the Carabao Cup third round tie at the Kasam Stadium against Oxford United. That is on Tuesday at seven forty-five uh, GMT. A little bit of trivia, first of all, see if any of you can get this. When was the last time City won away to a League One side, or lower, over 90 minutes? No? No, no idea. Uh, It was 1999 against Chester City, 4-1 in the FA Cup third round. Uh, Chester finished bottom of the Football League and have since gone out of business. should have a phone uh, and moons option for these sort of
3: questions, (laughs) shouldn't you? Did he write
1: it? Since then, though, right, City have failed to win. Uh, against Knotts County, Wigan, Oldham, Doncaster, Chesterfield, Brighton, Knotts County again and Wigan again. Uh, The good news, though, they've won all four home games against League One sides in that time, including a replay against Knotts County and uh, one of those away games City won in extra time, also against Knotts County. And uh, and let's face it, this is a very different city these days. Um, So Guardiola's not really got history on his side when it comes to this one. Do you think he's going to be that bothered, though?
2: Not about that.
4: Not, it's if, lo- if lovely
3: uh, introduction there, Sam. But no, I don't
1: <laughs> think he'll care. <laughs> what sort of lineup hey. do you think he's, he's going to go for with this? Because
2: um, strong, but I mean, the big question is Foden, and then the slightly smaller question is Brahim. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with there being you know so much strength in depth, surely playing Murich in goal rather than Edison. Um, but then you know, Company's not played a lot. Otamendi's not played barely at all, apart from Fulham. So that's a strong centre back pairing right there. And there's no one, you know, Tosin's not around and Eric Garcia's a bit too young, but maybe he'll be on the bench. Um Danilo's coming back from injury, but I mean I don't I don't know, maybe he'll be fit enough to play against Oxford, who knows? Um I suppose you could play Zinchenko at left back if you really wanted to, or yeah, know give Dalf a rest, I suppose. And then yeah, the big one will be in midfield, I'm sure it'll be strong enough. Maybe play Gundogan at the back of it and surely rest Fernandinho. surely. Um everyone wants to see Foden play. Big I don't know. I know. I know it's only a League, a league One team, but Mares needs to find a bit of rhythm as well. So and, and so does Jesus. so probably play both of them.
1: You've got to think as well. You know, it could be a great confidence booster for a for a player them. like Mares. Yeah. You know, like Leroy Sane, like Jesus, to to get a couple of goals, to have a great <laughs> performance, albeit against League One opposition. But that could be the the, the kickstart, couldn't it? Interesting, you mentioned Foden because uh, Pep. Did mention that he will play a lot of games. Yeah, um, he's mentioned that recently. Surely, Paul, this has got to be one of them, hasn't it?
3: I think I think it will be. I think this will be the one that he definitely plays. Um, I just can't see him not playing. Mm. I, I do actually genuinely believe Guardiola when he says that as well. I think he will bed them in. Uh, I think he's trying to find his starting lineup at the moment and where they're going to fit, and it's not quite working out. Mm. And that's why Foden's not been kind of transitioning because he's still trying to work it out, but. You know, especially through like November, December, when the games come in, you know, all the time, and there's Champions League, and you know, you know, if we'd have wrapped up that game in Leon and we, we'd qualified early, then he definitely would have been playing the Champions League games. So, yeah, but I'd, it's what we want to see, and I do believe him. I think it's like Bernardo Silva last last year, where he played a lot of games, but he wasn't necessarily starting. He said he felt guilty about that because he he deserved to play more, yeah. than he would do, and he has done that this season, where he's been the starter. So I do believe he's going to make an effort to play Foden. And as we saw in the charity shield, he, you know, it fits in perfectly. Maybe he should have played last night. It might have made a difference, you know, rather than, you know, Gundogan being a bit, you know, slow paced.
1: Mm. Um, going back to the Amazon documentary, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to do all the sure. time uh, for the very near future. Caldoon uh, said that the League Cup sets the season up. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where nobody's really bothered about it until it gets to the final. Mm. But when it gets to the final, you know, you, you don't you don't want to lose it. You, you do not want to lose that. Um, if you do go out, you know, if City were to go out this well, next week, it would be embarrassing and everyone would be going, oh, what's going on here? What's going on here? But you soon forget about it. You've got bigger games, you know, the next game in the Premier League, bigger than that. You've got the Champions League the week after. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's good. And this this one in particular, the Oxford game, not just for Foden, I mean maybe for Brahim although the contract situation there I don't know if that makes makes him more likely to start or less likely but also the players we mentioned like Jesus and Moraes and maybe Sane you know they are world class or potentially world class players playing against a league one team with Guardiola telling them that they need to perform um it's it, it's it's going to be interesting and it's going to be a useful competition for city this season uh, as far, as far as they go and I mean if you know, if the team was something like what I just ran through, if everyone else is playing teams like that, or you know, if City get another draw against um, a weaker opposition, there's no reason why City can't win it again. And yet, obviously, that does help going into March and the the business end of the season.
1: We have mentioned already on this week's podcast about complacency. This can still, you know, it shouldn't happen, full stop. But this is one of those games. Where you you could see, mm. couldn't you? I mean, we're we're you know we're, we're writing Oxford off because they're a league one side already, um, but they, they are going to have to turn up and and surely they'll have learnt some lessons from when they played a league one side last season against Wigan.
3: There shouldn't be, but none of those players, if they play, as Sam said, can afford to be complacent. They've all got to prove themselves. So I think that's the way you solve that issue. Um, going back to League Cup last year, how many games? we will be quite lucky and fortunate to yeah, get through yeah. to the actual final itself. I mean, the Wolves game, they went to penalties. That was an awful game. Just, just like, you know, there's a few players then actually that needed to break into the team and they weren't playing great. But I think if you had a team of new mix of new signers and new young players that want to break through, I think you would get a performance out of them.
2: Yeah.
3: And I think the opposition's a bit inferior to, say, Wolves. So, you know, we'll have to see. But I, I, I think we'll um, be fine. We'll leave, we'll leave a... Do really well or we'll we'll lose.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, it is time for some predictions. We're on £100 for the season on our charity bet so far. William Hill has given us all a £10 correct score single on our predictions with the winnings going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester. So it is a very worthy cause. Uh, Looking at Mooney's predictions so far, he's gone for... uh, Cardiff one, Manchester City two, which is ten to one with William Hill. So a ten pound correct score would add another one hundred pounds to the pot. Uh, Sam, what have you gone for for Cardiff? Uh, three nil. Three nil, five to one with William Hill, which means fifty pounds would be added to the pot. Paul, mm. I think three one. I'm going to go for. I think, I think they might get a smash and grab, one one goal. Three one, City win again. 10-1, to 1, so £100 could be added to the pot. Looking at that uh, League Cup game, the third round against Oxford United, David's predicted a 3-0 City win, which is 6-1 to with William Hill, so £60 could be going in the pot. Sam?
2: I've gone for
1: 2-0. Slightly more conservative, 2-0.
2: Yeah, well, when, when I come up with that before, I thought they'd be a, a very weakened team, but having just run through it, I thought... That is really strong, isn't it, mm. for a League One team. So yeah, two nil
1: Thirteen to two with William Hill, so could be adding sixty five pounds to the pot. And pole. I'm hoping they're gonna play
3: fresh team that's competitive and wants to win. So I'm gonna go four nil. Hopefully they'll be um, you know, wanting to break into the squad and be the first team, so we'll see.
1: Four nil is eight to one with William Hill, so eighty pounds. Could be going in the pot, all for the Christie. Fingers crossed for that. You have to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, visit org. Interesting point about Oxford as well. Uh, there are only three sides to the stadium. And uh, if you hit the ball over the net, it goes into the car park. Oh, good. There you go. Uh, but it, it's just some free balls. It is It'd a tiny stadium. Trip. It is a tiny little stadium. Yeah. It's not like a
3: league condition that you need four sides or whatever no, no. The press box is lovely, by the way, is as it? well. Good. Yeah,
1: they're, they're really the nice
4: as well, there. How's the food?
1: Yeah, they're nice. They, they treat you to a pie and a sausage roll
2: and everything if you want.
1: Oh, I'll take a pat lunch then. Yeah. No, no, they're <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, it is time to move on, and it's time to hear from Howard Hawking. He's talked about respect.
4: I wrote this after a depressing night at the Etihad, you know the one. One of those nights where everything seems to go wrong, empty seats, poor performance, a single tramp with 4,000 people on it, the onset of man flu, and no bread to make cheese on toast when I got home. One of those nights. I was planning to talk about respect, there's been a lot of talk about it in the Premier League recently. Jose started it all off naturally, upset after another pitiful performance. The stats wheeled out to suggest that because he'd won stuff in the past, he deserved respect and no criticism when things went wrong. Well that's how I interpreted it anyway. Even Pochettino was at it after losing their opening Champions League match at the death in Milan. It seems managers love to cry about a lack of respect after a defeat. It's funny that. The main respect event that caught my eye was of course Luke Edwards' masterpiece in the Telegraph that commented on how City had won plenty but had not gained respect. I tried to read it all, I really did, but when it started discussing City not selling out matches, that was me done. What astonishes me is that Edwards and others of his ilk think any City fan would give a rat's arse about gaining the respect of him or other media types, or rival fans or anyone outside the club to be honest. Those at the club know that the press are important for their image and football journalists need to be handled with kid gloves. That's rather different to yearning for their respect though, and what does it mean anyway? How do we define it? But I guess after the Lyon match, what I will talk about instead is respect for the Champions League. Now I'm sick and tired of people criticising others for whether they go to a football match or not. Those usually criticising obviously not there themselves, but even so, the attendance against Lyon surprised me. We as a fan base have an apathy for the Champions League of course, and we favour the league, the bread and butter, but still it surprised me. Maybe this country is on its arse more than I ever realised. After the 100 point gain last season, I thought plenty of fans would be up for this. I was wrong. Their choice, of course, but it must have an effect. Now, I was thinking the other day, when really, really bored, about the size of our stadium. The thing is, logically, a stadium that is always full is not a good idea. It's not entirely fair. Unless a number of tickets sold always equals exactly to the to the demand for tickets, then it means there are people who wish to attend that cannot. Better, logically, to have ample seats for those that want it. An ideal capacity is one that sells out occasionally and is generally close to full, but that can meet demand for almost all matches. After all, would we as City fans rather return to a stadium with a 35,000 capacity? No, not really. You can guarantee too that if that was our capacity, ticket prices would have shot up, the owners safe in the knowledge that they can sell smaller capacities easier at higher prices. Anyway, whilst we all mock the cult that is Liverpool's fan base, their love of the Champions League does certainly help the team. That's fine and we're not compelled to have the same love. Our history, and we have as much of it as Liverpool, is different and domestic glory still stirs us more. I never thought we'd have any, to be honest, at one point in the 90s, not at the top level anyway. But the flat atmosphere could not have helped in the first half versus Lyon, not that it's much better for parts of many games at Anfield. Our ground set-up does not help, nor a family stand that never fills in midweek for obvious reasons and empties quicker than my bowels after a dodge of vindaloo. The solutions are glaringly obvious to me. The family stand must go or be moved off the lower tier. Standing must return. Champions League tickets could be included in season ticket prices unless opted out. And don't ever add a single extra corporate seat in the ground, as the demand was never as much as our bigwigs expected. Standing will bring back those that make noise. It feels to me that we have a larger portion of the same fans as 20 years ago, mainly men in their 40s or 50s who would never be the most vocal on the whole such people have shifted priorities too now. It's not all about going to the match anymore, the world has changed, and I don't need someone in Kuala Lumpur who couldn't locate Manchester on a map to tell me what games I should attend. The fact such a person claims they would go to every match if they had the chance is because they never have gone, and it seems like a special bucket list opportunity. I've been going since 1982, so when you've been to over a 1,000 matches, it's hardly going to feel special every time we approach a turnstile and get frisked by a security guy. City have historically struggled with midweek games attendance-wise, this is nothing new. We live in a truly global market now, people move away but still attend, and many a non-Manchester based Blue will travel for weekend games but not a midweek one when work considerations are taken into account. The key point is we have not developed the enormous fan base of United and Liverpool yet, so could not replace non-attendees. United fans are also pressured to attend, knowing they can lose out on future games if they even think about not attending a game. And if memory serves me right, I think it was even compulsory for them for a while if you had a season ticket. I've dropped out the Carabao Cup scheme because I had to make a finance-related sacrifice somewhere, but I know that if we reach a final it would still be easy to get a ticket. A United fan does not have that luxury how many would not go if there was no compelling reason to do so? Tickets are well-priced, of course, generally, so you wonder how low the club would have to go to fill a group stage game. The bundle seemed a good idea, but I guess some would not want to commit to all three games. And by being in pot one, City have actually suffered with the tendencies as a result, as there's no European giant, no glamour name to pull the punters in. If that bundle for £55 had included a game against Real Madrid or Barcelona, I'm pretty sure the club would have sold a lot more tickets. Now as for other points, when we look at respect for the Champions League, going against what was my opinion at the time, Paul Lake once said on a podcast that the booing of the anthem does not help either, that it does not help the players and does not help their mindset. And who am I to argue with him? So I didn't. The thing is though, it's chicken and egg. If City had put in a scintillating performance from the off, the crowd would have responded, but they didn't. And surely players don't need any motivation for a Champions League tie. Just where do performances like these come from and what is it about the Champions League that makes our players revert to sometimes near journeymen against a side like Liam, who have many great players but have been utterly average prior to this match? Complacency cannot be the answer. No player can turn up expecting to win. No one's that stupid. This is not a game against third division opposition. Intensity seems to be down now in games like this. Does Fernandinho ever get picked off twice like that in a league game? Does Delph make mistakes like that? Or are the players playing with fear? That doesn't make sense either, and I'm struggling to explain a performance like the one against Lyon, but maybe it's the fact that the opponents aren't playing with fear. It's become self-fulfilling that the team can be got at in this competition. And maybe it's not about respect, but stability. To use Liverpool as an example again, and I apologise profusely for that, they play a pretty similar formation and a pretty similar team week in, week out. Pep doesn't. Do we ever play the same team two games in a row? There was a short period last season, I think, but it's the exception to the rule. At this level, players must rely not just on skill and athleticism, but instinct. That sixth sense that tells you, the run that a teammate will make, that tells you where he will be positioned. Can that instinct flourish when Pep, by his own admission, trying new things for the Champions League this season, is uh, changing the line-up every single game? It worries me that it can't, and in the first half, at least against Lyon, there didn't seem an innate understanding between the players of where to go and how to pull the opposition defence apart. Time will tell anyway if this is just a blip. And if you think the crowd was bad against Leon, pray that we don't fall into the Europa League. It would resemble an auto-windscreens game against Bansfield. Now I wonder if the Europa League has an anthem we can all do.
1: Come and
6: Hi, this is Paul Lake, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
0: You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now.
1: Howard Hawking back on the Blue Moon Podcast. Unfortunately, it's time for the final part of this week's episode. It is down to you, our lovely listeners. It is Ask the Panel. You get your questions in on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast, or you can email them through the website, Podcast. Dot com. The first one comes from Emily Hale, who has emailed in. Why do so many fans leave before the end of matches? Shouldn't they be staying to support the team to the final whistle, even if City are winning comfortably?
2: This is one of those you're never going to get to the end of, bottom of. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could go as deep as saying it. Maybe it's like, a I don't know, a British personality trait. You know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people, if you go to a concert or the cinema or whatever, if you're owned by 10 or you're owned by 11 or whatever, it's just... It's like every minute counts at that point, isn't it? And it, even you know, even if traffic, even if sitting in traffic means you'd only be home fifteen minutes later, that fifteen minutes is like the most valuable time you'll ever have. So I don't know. It it, it I don't know if it's a whole mentality thing, not just a football thing, but just British people in general. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how big a thing it is in foreign countries. You know, I'm not sure I've ever heard it.
1: I um, I used to be like dead straight. What are you leaving for? Why? No, we're staying till the we've clapped them off the pitch. But now. I'm just like, listen, I'll leave when I want. I I don't know why. I just, maybe I fancy it. Mm. I've seen enough.
2: I've paid my money. Yeah, I never used to leave games early when I was, when I had to pay for tickets rather than get free. (laughs) Um, I only did it once. Um, I don't know, I don't know what I'll be like now. Uh, Maybe, yeah, because honestly, I was driving in crap traffic from the Etihad earlier on and it was, you know, I missed a chance to change lanes, and I was like, "Oh, that's cost me a good couple of minutes." That, and it's just—I don't know. I think I may, maybe it's that. I don't think it makes you less of a fan. It's just—it's just what people are like. Any people want to get home. I yeah. think it's simple as that. It's
3: worse on the night games, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's the problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are there are things where you know people have to not just drive back to Manchester, but yeah, yeah. Obviously, you might have longer trips, but just like Leeds or getting back to Barry or whatever, or you want to put the kids to bed, or the kids are got the kids are with you, they got school or whatever. It does maybe make a bit of a difference, but I do see the other side of it. You know, City and you play, know, they play ninety minutes, and it's some of the best football you'll ever see. Why not stay? But you know, I can I can see both sides of it, and it doesn't. It probably wouldn't wind me up so much these days because you know, people do what they want, can't they?
1: Yeah. Um, next question is from. Johnny West who has emailed in, is it a coincidence that City look better against Fulham with Sane, the Silvers, Sterling and Fernandinho, with no pressure to pass to Mahrez, the new boy? Does Mahrez unsettle last year's winning formula?
2: Um, I think that's a bit of a negative spin to put on it. I mean, he's not hes not looked great yet, has he? And he's not settled in. Um, but, I mean, we, everyone does this with every club, every new signing. If they don't hit the ground running straight away, it's... Or oh, maybe we've got a bit of a dud there I think or whatever. It,
1: I think it's even more so with Mares because he's come from a, a Premier League 12, side yeah. who he was doing it regular, you know, week in, week out. He'd be that... He mm. was the poster not, boy, wasn't not he? Not was there. as much, but yeah. Mm. What do you think, Paul? I think because he's...
3: It's a bit weird because you, if you play Bernardo Bernard, Silva out right, although he's more passer. you know, you've got quite a slow... Just tricky left-footer replacing him, so it's kind of replacing like for like in a way. Obviously, is a bit more skillful than direct, but but I think it's probably because of the similarity. And you know, he's not going to really take over anyone in that starting lineup. But I guess there's so many games; it's hard to tell. I think it's too early to judge him, really. Yeah,
2: it it is. I mean, I mean, yeah, like I say, he's not been yeah. good, and I I'll, I'll, I'll probably do an article on it in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Could, Johnny. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, waiting. You know, just to, you know, we're waiting to see the best from him and whatever. But to say he's disrupted it, um, I think i would be a bit harsh. If I, if I wrote an article saying as Riyad Mahrez disrupted Man City's winning formula, I'd get a lot of stick for that. And I think rightly so. I think yeah. it's a bit harsh. That.
3: I mean, he's just joined six weeks ago. He's playing with the best players he's ever played with. You know, he the main man at Leicester, and he's just stepped up in the squad. And you know, rather being the first name on the team sheet at Leicester. He's coming in. He's going to struggle to get into the squad. Yeah. But I mean, he, want, he wanted the challenge. I don't think he's here to pick up um, pick up the money. I think he wants to prove himself that he actually wants
1: he actually can do it. In Johnny's initial question, he, he sort of answers it himself. Really, um, is it a coincidence that that City looked better against Fulham with Sane? David Bernardo Silva Sterling and Fernandinho it's not really
2: a coincidence because no, they yeah. actually are it's they are of, better than yeah, and it's it's kind of what we were saying earlier as well in terms of city looking better than what we did against Leon for example because we we mentioned some you know yeah Players there who are either pacey and direct, or like Bernardo, because he's not a fast player and he's not really fast enough on the wing. But when he plays through the middle, you know he can carry the ball quickly, or he can use the ball so quickly that that would be assist for Sterling. You know that kind of makes a difference. And City do look better with all those players playing in their proper positions. Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure how that really relates to Mares. Uh, he's not been good so far, really, but he's got a lot of stuff to get used to, even though he's come from the Premier League. And when Guardiola was talking about Bernardo Silva the other day, saying about, you know, it took him a bit of time to settle, he actually dropped in. He went, you know, it's happening with Mares now, but yeah. I'm sure we'll see the best of him. And I'm sure he'll, he'll get to like Bernardo's level now, given time. So, I don't know. Guardiola's not usually wrong, is he? So
1: well, hopefully that clears a few things up, Emily and Johnny. Unfortunately, that is it for this week on the Blue Moon podcast. But if you'd like a little bit more from us, then we do have a bonus episode every week for patron backers who support the show by $2 a month or more. That's about £1.50 for four to five extras every month. Each bonus show is at least 10 minutes, but no one else, the Probably a little bit longer because we can't help but talk when we're chatting about City. There's more information on patreon.com forward slash bloomingpodcast and this week's extra-long episode is one you will love. It is all about El Maggio, David Silva, and uh, we're going to wax lyrical about him uh, because he is the best. Thank you to my two uh, studio guests for this week's episode. Paul Atherton. Cheers, Sam. Athers, nice one. Cheers. And uh, gold.com Sam Lee.
2: Thanks very much. I'm just laughing again about the potential headlines. So, <laughs> what a way to finish!
1: Love it. Checking have a the post. <laughs> have a wonderful week. Take care, Tara.
0: That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast.